most of the time we know. We have this knowledge, this wisdom within, and we know. We know what's right for us. We actually know what we want to do and what we don't want to do. We know who we want to see and spend time with. And then once we know that we know, it's easier to put it out and say yes or say no or, or plan according. But for me, it was a process to realize that I actually already know so much. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Why, hello there. It's your gal, Carly. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. Or hey, if it's your first time listening in, I'm really glad you're here. This episode marks our 81st edition of Messy and Magnificent, which means we're no longer newbies to the world of podcasting, even though, frankly, I always feel like a little bit of a newbie. We're always trying something new and different over here. We're really in the phase of sustaining. We've created something. We have this amazing community of listeners that I get to connect with and engage with like you. And now we're really talking about, okay, how do we continue this great work? Now, normally, I am all about efficiency. (laughs) I love when things are streamlined and efficient and organized. But I got to talk about efficiency here for just a moment because sometimes it's overrated. And that is a sentence I never thought I would say. You see, I prefer to have our episodes recorded a few weeks in advance. We used to record them in batches of three or four episodes all at once for the entire month. But when COVID broke over a year ago, we realized we had to get a little bit more timely. I wanted to speak to what was going on for women and their careers, their health, and their relationship in real time. And so we decided to stop that process and really start recording them one week at a time. And once things started to settle in and we developed a new routine, we kept trying to go back to batch recording again, and something would always get in the way. We'd get a couple weeks out in advance and be feeling really good, and then something would crop up, and the next thing you knew, we were back to recording one episode a week. Now, just a couple months ago, I'm in my kitchen, I'm brewing some tea, and I'm feeling the discomfort in my stomach again of not having at least three episodes recorded sitting in the bank in advance when it occurred to me. As much as I would like to be prepared well in advance, that's just not the way it's going to go right now. And I've got to get okay with that (laughs) because of that. Because of not being able to record the way that used to work, what we're finding is that there are really great perks to recording week by week. And this episode is going to be an example about that. So this month, as we talk about sustainabilities in our careers, our health and relationships, I've been outlining a lot of the research and the real stories of women who have found ways to keep on doing what is working without sacrificing themselves in the process. Because as it turns out, it doesn't matter if we land our dream job or get our favorite relationship partner or even better health if we can't sustain it, right? If living our day-to-day lives and the amount of expectations and demands that we put upon ourselves or others put on us is going to keep messing with our game, then we're going to have to continually be starting over. And this is why a lot of women experience fits and starts when it comes to feeling well and then feeling overwhelmed. So I have the pleasure of knowing and working with Sandrine Christini for a couple years now. And guess how we met? We actually met through, tell me if this is a sentence you've ever heard before, meaningful human connection on Instagram. Yeah, you heard that right. Once upon a time, Sandrine must have seen a post of mine And we started to talk there online, back and forth. And over the course of a few months, we organically developed this relationship together. And talking on Instagram eventually shifted to talking on Zoom. 
and a wonderful working relationship was formed. And side note, if you didn't catch the last episode, episode 80, it's called Having to Do It All, How Women Get Aboard the Allyship and Let a Few Key People Bolster Their Professional Success. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, or you can tune in wherever you get your podcasts, because I shared some research about how we're getting clear that doing well professionally is not about having the biggest network anymore. It's actually more important that we have small open networks with other people that have small open networks, which is exactly what happened for Sandrine and I. We connected in a little network, and now our networks know each other, and we're getting to meet one another's people, and it's glorious. So after recovering from some pretty serious burnout that you're going to hear her talk about in a moment, Sandrine decided to invest her energy and skills in building a sustainable business, a zero-waste shop. You've never heard of a zero-waste shop? I can't wait for you to learn about this model. So she and her staff at Shea Mommy, the shop, enable their customers to reduce waste by providing them with organic products, everything. I mean, from food to cleaning products to cosmetic things without single-use packaging. So in the shop, customers are welcomed and celebrated no matter where they are in their sustainability journey. And I just love that they offer this judgment-free space where customers can be curious and experiment with new ways of shopping. Now, that alone is super cool. But you know what else is also really inspiring? You're about to hear some of the small but transformational ways that Sandrine has applied practices in her career that keep her job sustainable for her too. So in other words, she is including herself in the conversation of what she wants to see sustaining in the world. And her business and her employees are winning too. So as she does well, everybody else is doing well. And that's pretty amazing, right? I cannot wait for you to hear this. If you've ever felt like maybe you're burning out or you have a sense of, okay, I've caught my breath for a moment. How do I not accidentally slip back into patterns that are depleting for me? Or if you want to hear how one woman with an incredibly full plate has found a way to add extra hours into every day Without things falling apart, in fact, things are working a whole lot better. This is the episode for you. But before I get there, I promised I would tell you about how not planning too far in advance helped this episode happen. Well, we're doing this new thing where you can share your voice in an episode. So we invited listeners like you to send a short voice memo to Anitza at everybodythrive.com. That's Anitza, A-N-T-I-Z-A at everybodythrive.com, and you can tell us a thought that you've had or something that's landed with you from an episode. Well, Sandrine did just that. And last week, when I was adding her voice into the shout-out section, it got me thinking, my goodness, now is the perfect time to have the woman who walks the talk of sustainability on the show, on our month of sustainability, and she agreed to do it at the last minute. This would have never been possible if I was as overscheduled or overplanned as I used to be. So I hope you'll do that too. I hope you'll send a voice memo to Anitza at everybodythrive.com so that I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. This is another way that we get to connect and you never know where a good connection can lead. But today is a beautiful example as you hear me talking now with Sandrine. Every woman who showed up, it was obvious that everyone added to the experience and also it seemed to me like everyone had a profound takeaway. You sign up for these, you know, these webinars or these courses, but this is different. You actually are showing up with a group of people. People, we're human, we want to interact. Going into the Boundary Academy, I didn't realize where I needed boundaries in my life. Boundaries is such a large word. So to be able to scale that down and to see how like boundaries don't have to be big and scary. They don't have to be intimidating, but that they can be a part of who you are because they're, they need to be is what I think I didn't see coming, but that is so rich and so wonderful to be able to carry on into the rest this year and the rest of my life. 
These are the voices of women who have attended the Boundary Academy. This is a group coaching program and ongoing community that I run with 14 women from the Council of Boundary Makers. And together, we welcome women who used to be like me, people-pleasing overachievers who secretly feel behind because you know you're capable of more, but you just don't have time to get to it with everything on your plate into the arms of sisterhood to make sure that you finally have both the time and energy to get to what you care about without being pulled in 10 directions or feeling guilty anymore. Because here's the thing, a life without boundaries is not your own life. But having boundaries is definitely not about armoring up or having to be fierce or have big hard walls between you and everybody else. I think the thing I continued to take away was this perspective that boundaries are not walls. That can be intimidating to say, oh, I'm gonna sign up for Boundary Academy, but I don't know if I'm ready to put up those walls yet. And that's not what it's about. Boundaries actually are between you and you. It's looking at where do you need to create a boundary for yourself? And because of that, that it's softer. It's not trying to hide you behind a wall, but instead, help you bridge across a situation. You see, all my years of research and coaching women in the territory of boundaries has taught me that it's not that setting boundaries is hard. It's trying to set them alone that makes them so tricky. So instead, we use proven methods and good old sisterhood that gives you both the resources, the clarity, and the confidence to have the best career, relationships, and health of your life without it having to feel like as much work as it is right now. The doors to enroll in the new class open on May 17th, 2021 and promptly close on May 28th. So this is your window. Head on over to carlyfane.com to get the full scoop and free instant access to the Boundary Brunch with me, where you can learn what is and isn't working for women in the territory of boundaries right now. This is the last time we're going to open the doors at our introductory rate, so I hope to see you in the full academy soon. Because boundaries aren't something we practice later when we have more time. Rather, we get our time back when we practice boundaries gently now, and it's how we get the later we really want to. That's what people need to know is like when they feel like they can't rise up, we're here to lift them. So my first question, Sandrine, is an informal one. What in your head or your heart wants to be heard today? I've been thinking today as I uh, went on a hike with a friend that we actually know most of the time we know we have this knowledge, this wisdom within and we know. We know what's right for us. We actually know what we want to do and what we don't want to do. We know who we want to see and spend time with. And then once we know that we know, it's easier to put it out and say yes or say no or or plan according. But for me, it was a process since we started working together to realize that I actually already know so much. On Saturday, for example, I had to go in the shop to work. I really needed to go for a run. And I knew this and I just decided, you know what, I'm late. Actually, if I wanted to do it right before, I would ignore that and run to the shop. And actually, it was very slow business in the morning. And I actually went for my run, came back, had a shower, took my time, went to the shop and people started coming in and it started to get busy as soon as I got there. So what I need to be true for me actually was fine with the rest of the schedule. And, and yeah, that's what, what I want to be heard. I can trust myself. I just need to listen. And then things work out. Oh my gosh. That is so powerful. And I feel like applicable for all of us. We do know, we do have a hunch. I think of Susie Banks-Baum, our, who's been a guest here on the show, and we'll put a link to her in the show notes, but our friend, Fancy, your friend with her too now. And she talks about how we circumvent our knowing, right? We yeah. know something and then all the ways we circumvent that knowing, like, oh, not today. Today, I'll skip the thing I know. And we usually regret it or wish we had listened to that knowing. So I was thinking we should go back to the beginning because you and I met in the coolest 
way. I think you and I have broken the myth that social media is a waste of time because we met on Instagram and through Instagram, we've actually formed a meaningful connection and bond. Do you remember how it started? I think a friend of mine must have followed you and shared a, a piece of content of yours. That's the only explanation I find because you didn't have any sponsored ads or stuff. So no. I believe someone in my circle, and I don't remember who it is, <laughs> shared a post of you, maybe a, like a, one of your quotes, handwritten quotes. I liked it very much. So I just clicked on your profile. I saw that uh, it really spoke to me. I followed you. And from that on, I remember at the beginning, every time you would post something, it so spoke to my situation. It was just so timely. And every time it was like an invitation or a reminder to pause, to take a break, to slow down, to to be nourished. And I mean, just to give you like the timing of when you come into my life, I'm recovering from a heavy burnout at this point. And I've already... I have a a year and a half, maybe two years of recovering. I am starting to feel better. I am starting to work again. And it's so hard for me to find a new rhythm because I'm so used to go, 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 go. Right, right. (laughs) So there you are, appearing in my feeds and you're like, it's time for a break. It's time for a pause. Uh, What did you do for yourself? And I'm like, dang, yes. What a, okay, okay. So I love that. And I think at some point you offered, you opened up some uh, free one-on-one sessions. And then I was like, oh, this is my chance. I have to give it a try. And I had just opened the shop uh, one and a month just before. And at that point, you're like, well, any business owners who want to uh, have a one-on-one session? And I was so overwhelmed. I mean, you know what it is to put a business together at the beginning. You do it all. Yeah. just like, "Ah." How am I going to survive this? And and there was an invitation. And I thought, you know what? She's a she's she's a coach. Uh, if there's one time in my life where I needed some help, it's now. So I booked the session with you. And I remember it was 45 minutes, 60 minutes. And I had so many meaningful insights. I was like, oh, aha. Uh, one, of, one of the things I remember is like 3% warmer because warmth is something that, that nourishes me. Joy is something that nourishes me. Yeah. And in that one first contact, it was like, okay, how could I bring 3% more warmth to my days? And that was feasible for me. I mean, I was working 12, 13 hours trying to pack everything in my day, but like the 3%, I could do it. And then uh, we started working together. I, I came to the Reclaiming Time Studio and the rest is history. I love the rest is history. And now it's our present and we get to do all these <laughs> sweet and wonderful things together. But yeah. you remind me, Sandrine, of I think both you and I, and I probably for a lot of the women listening, and I'd be curious to hear from the listeners, we thrive through meaningful human connection. And I think that's what I remember about you was you would comment on a post with something thoughtful and, and I would write back and we would have these little exchanges. And so I began to remember your name. And when I would see a Sandrine comment pop up, I'd get really excited and we, and it was genuine and it was real yeah, and it was it natural. Was. And, and yeah. right. I'm not against paid ads, but we didn't have any paid ads at that point. It was just, let's build this community of women who genuinely enjoy being in each other's company and support each other. And, So you just said something really important there. And if it's okay, I would love to kind of unpack that a little bit because you mentioned you had just gone through major burnout and now you are opening your shop. And I have got some great (laughs) questions about your shop because you have such a unique business and I want women to hear about it. But let's start with the before if you're game, right? Because I think the burnout phase is really relatable for a lot of high achievers. And when we say the word burnout, it's subjective, right? Because everyone's experience of burnout is different. And so if you're willing, how did you know you were going through burnout? Like what was cropping up that was making you go, oh, this might not be sustainable? Well, basically my, my body shut down. Uh, one morning, okay, I had had symptoms for a while. Um, I had problems with sleeping. I had those rushes that were so stingy that I couldn't sleep. So I didn't think I had sleep problems. I thought I had allergic reaction problems. <laughs> Anyway, I went to the doctor because my mom started to be like, Sandrine, you really should need to go. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, whatever. I'm going to see the doctor. He's going to give me that magic pill and then I'll continue my, my, my adventure. Long story short, my doctor sends me home and he says like, you can't work like this. You're on a two weeks off. 
And for me, my world falls apart because we're in the middle of a restructuration. I just got promoted to what I believe is my dream job. I can't miss. I have like, I should be able to squeeze in three months of work in two weeks. And now I'm off two weeks. And in those two weeks, what all I do is sleep and rest. I have panic attacks. I actually don't manage to sleep. After two weeks and a week holidays so of three weeks, I come back and I go to my doctor and I'm like, you know, I've done everything I could to rest and yet I'm completely depleted. But you, and I have panic just at the thought of going back to work. You can't send me. So long story short, he puts a diagnosis. He sends me to a psychotherapist. And there the official diagnosis comes and is. We talk about burnout because everybody understands that word. But as you said very correctly, it's a very subjective word. Some people say they have a burnout and it just means they're, they're very exhausted or depleted, but they can't do their, their, their regular stuff. For me, it was like a, a depression due to incomplete depletion. So what it meant for me is I spent 11 months at home. I was able to just wake up after 12 hours of sleep. Sometimes I would manage to make a breakfast I say that I would wake up, make breakfast and shower. And my husband looks at me and he's like, yeah, some days. And I know he worked full time. And his first priority when he came home was to cook for me and watch me eat because otherwise I, I wouldn't even eat. I didn't have the energy. I walked like a 90-year-old lady who who needs someone to stop the cars to cross the, the road because she doesn't make it in time until the, the, the light is red again. So that's how bad it was. So it really took me a year at home just sleeping and waiting through it and going through to therapy. And that was a long, hard, hard, ugly year. And at the same time, when you're that depleted, there's nothing else you can do. You just have to give your body the rest and the time until, yeah, it starts functioning again and it starts. Yeah. So once after a couple of months at home, uh, I remember the first time I felt joy again, or I felt like, you know, this, this motivation to do something that you like. Uh, so I had completely yeah. lost that, that joy of living. And, and for the friends who know me for a longer time, I'm, I'm a, a ball of joy. I love life. And so there I was, everything was, you know, whatever. What is he friends? Oh, you have so much time. You could finally do your music. Yeah. But I, I really don't want to. Yeah. So that's, that's the story. And then one step after the other, 1% at a time, I reclaimed my health back and with therapy, I really like had built myself up uh, with the support of a lot of people. Uh, my husband is one of them, big, big support. And then I get to this point where my, my therapist says, well, you look how far you've come. We could like start looking for a job again. And in this whole process, when you are a recovering perfectionist like I am and you are a high achiever and you love doing so much stuff, and you can't work, you still think about it. It's like when, whenever I will get to this point, I hope soon, what should I do? I come from the hospitality industry and I knew if I go back, I loved it. But if I go back, I'm going to be crushed because it's just like a bulldozer and bam, bam, bam. And you have to sacrifice yourself. You're just there for others, but you don't include yourself. Right. And I just knew it wouldn't work anymore for me. So I could go back and then be crushed and I had to start the whole process again. And in those time where I had so much time and I was home, I realized I was so passionate about anything sustainability. So I was like, oh, if I could work and like the only, really the only thing that I knew and I had seen was like, like sustainable shop, like bulk and organic shop. And I was like, I was telling my husband, it would be so cool. Wouldn't it be cool if I could work in a shop like that? And people would tell me, yeah, but you have a, a, a diploma, a degree. It's like too easy. But what it be? it's so cool. I mean, I was doing my DIY project. It was like, <laughs> you know, I had my job and then I had this as a passion. And I was like, right. if I could do this, that would be so cool. That would be, I would be paid to do what I'm passionate about. And funny thing, whenever I was ready to start a job, that's exactly when a position in such a shop opened up. At the exact time. So I, I applied. I explained, look, guys, I I want you. I want you to take me in. But the, the, this is my story. I am coming from a very shaky time. And I need to mm. have a smooth transition. But if you can give me that, man, I'm going to give everything. So they gave me a chance. And I started working there as a, at the cash register, as a salesperson. 
<laughs> and within a few months, the shop manager got pregnant and she left. So I took over the shop management. And it was a bumpy, a bumpy journey because, I mean, perfectionists have to try to not right. fall back to your patterns. <laughs> but it worked. When Jonathan, my husband, he helped me to not go over, not overwork myself again and go crazy. And we figured a way. And I realized I love this and I'm good at it. I, I made this business more profitable than it was before. And after such a dark time where your value is really proved and you don't really know your worth, you don't know if you're able to do anything, it felt so good. I was like, I've got this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I have, I have, you've said so many things that were so valuable there. And I want to point out a couple of them because one of them was when you first talked about your burnout and when you, A, that you had symptoms and you weren't paying attention to them. And that is so incredibly relatable, I think, for a lot of women of, oh, I'm getting these headaches, but like maybe they're allergies or maybe it's just now, right? Or, and they mount, right? Like the thing start as a whisper, the signs and the symptoms, we ignore them until they get bigger. And so then you get to this moment where you're, you're recognizing, okay, I need to take a break. Even your doctor says, I need you to take two weeks. You know, you ended up taking three weeks. And then the panic attacks that happen. And I think that's really important because rest sounds nice, right? We all say, I want more rest. But the truth is for most high achieving women, the moment we get the quiet, we don't know what to do with ourselves. And any anxiety that has been suppressed by busyness is no longer suppressed and it is rampant, right? And so the panic attacks are a really common symptom for the high achieving woman or just escalating stress or sense of anxiety for the high achieving woman who first dares to give herself what she needs. And so you can see why it's easy to go back to really what's our comfort zone, which is a kind of dysfunctional place of, well, I'm comfortable being busy. I'm actually not comfortable resting, even though it sounds nice. Once I'm there, I'm not. So I love that you acknowledge that and that you also acknowledge that it took your body as long as it took for the nervous system and everything that you were doing to heal, to take effect, that it wasn't an overnight thing, that we probably spend decades getting to the point of burnout. And it's, I'm fascinated that you said that for your symptoms, it was really burnout manifest as depression. Articles just came out in the United States this week, and I'll put links to them in the show notes, where there's a whole team of psychologists who are suggesting that we get more specific about acknowledging that burnout is, a, is an actual medical form of depression, and that it's not just a, I'm a little tired. It's an actual medical condition, right? So I just so appreciate your, your transparency in that and sharing what that, what that actually looks like. So here you are. Now you're in a place of, of running a zero-waste shop. And for anybody who's listening who doesn't know what a zero-waste shop, what is, what is a zero-waste shop? What is the business? So basically, with our system, we go to the supermarket, we buy our food, and everything is packaged. And as soon as you've used your, as soon as you've cooked your, your lentils or your tofu, or you have this plastic wrap that goes into the trash. Uh, that's just how our system is made. We know now that it is no longer, it is actually not necessary to wrap all the foods in portions in plastic, and that we can save a lot of, of plastic, a lot of, of resources, precious resources. So the concept of the zero waste shop is to bring everything in a big quantity. So we order like 25 kilo rice and we will prepare like a bulk and you can come with your own container and you will just take the amount that you need. So if you live alone, you don't need to buy a kilo every time. You can buy your 200 or 300 grams. You might also not need so much oil or the spices. Just take the spices you like and you can try a new spice and take a little bit. So you as, a, as an end cons, uh, consumer, you only have what you really need uh, and you don't have any packaging. So you say, yeah, you save you on your bin, <laughs> trash bin. I love this. And I know that part of what excites me, and I can't wait to the day I can come to Zurich and come be yeah. a customer in your shop. But what part of what excites me is that you have a whole judgment-free zone approach to welcoming people in who want to be more sustainable in the way they use. So, cause I, you know, I've had the experience, I grew up in an ashram where there was a lot of sustainability practices, but sometimes there's a little bit of sustainability snobbery that happens, right? Where it's people can look down their nose, you know, and that can make it hard to approach something new. And so, you know, I'm curious for somebody who's listening in, 
who may not, if you're in Zurich, head over to Shea Mommy and, and connect with Sandrine and we'll put links to where her shop is in the show notes. But if you're not living near a, a zero waste shop yet and you want to be doing something that's, I love how you said when you and I first started working together that the work was feasible and that's how you were able to do it. How do we make sustainability or practice in making a little bit less waste feasible for somebody, maybe a woman who's listening, who's got a busy life, who doesn't have a zero waste shop? Like what's something we could do here? I think the first thing you can do is just observe. It's so simple, right? But you could just observe whenever you go do your, don't change anything. Just stick to your routines, your habits, go shopping where you already shop and just notice what is packaged. What is the packaging? What is the amount of packaging? And just notice that. And then next time you go to do your groceries, just open your eyes and see if there's an alternative that comes without the packaging or with less packaging. Maybe you, anyway, you eat, you eat so much yogurt that you could buy a bigger pot because you go through it every week. It won't go bad. Or maybe you want to buy yourself a nice glass bottle that you can just bring everywhere we go and you don't have to buy the, the pets, the bottled plastic. So that, that could be just, I usually tell my, my customers when they come in and they want to do one thing, I'm like, just reuse your bottle of water or, or have like a tea mug that you can just bring along. So now with COVID, you won't be able to have it fill, filled up right. anywhere, but, but you can make your own coffee in the morning and, and take it along if you go somewhere. Or you can just have it at home and... Those are really small things, but you know, it's a process and you will see, I have friends who have done that one step with the bottle and then they realize this is so cool. I am saving money and it's pretty. It adds beauty to my desk during the day. It reminds me to stay hydrated because that's so cool. And it brought so much joy. They look for the next small step to do. Yes. And that's how you should do it, you know, with, with this approach of I'm going to do something that feels good to me. And as soon as it's overwhelming, I'll put it on the side. Maybe in two years it will feel right, but right now it doesn't work for me. And that's fine. So I love how you broke this down when it comes to material items, how we can make this pragmatic and doable. For example, the water bottle. Or I love your idea. Just like if you eat a lot of yogurt buy the bigger yogurt container rather than all the individual ones, right? And put it in your own glass, you know, mason jar or, or whatever you have. So what I'm curious about, and one thing I, I just so appreciate about knowing you and getting to witness the evol- evolution of you and your company for the last you know, year and a half, two years, is when it comes to sustainability, you're really walking the talk of not just sustainability with products and tangible items, but you are including yourself in the conversation of sustainability and the way you have a career, right? And I, I really appreciate what you said early on because it's a conversation I have with a lot of women of, okay, I'm recovering a little bit from burnout. I'm so scared I'm going to go backwards again. Like, I'm so scared because my default is to do the most that I'm going to accidentally ramp up and like spoil all the work I've done to heal or recalibrate or learn a new way. And you've been really dedicated in doing these small, consistent steps. I'm curious for you, could you give us an example, Sandrine, of how you just gave an example for what we could do with the tangible item? Like, what's one small step you've done to make running your company more sustainable for you as a career woman? I think one thing comes to mind, April 2020, I scheduled a one-on-one with you because I was so frustrated at my employees that I was paying and I was not paying myself a salary. You will remember that. Yeah, (laughs) I remember that conversation. I came with so much resentment. I was like, Carly, I can't continue like that. I mean, they're doing half of the job I'm doing and I pay these guys and I don't get a salary. And I don't know what I was hoping to hear from you, but what came, you told me, look, you can decide to put yourself as a priority and you can decide to pay yourself salary, yourself a salary from now on. It can be one franc. Yeah, but one you franc, your, five yeah. dollars, like whatever it but, needs Exactly. <laughs> but you, you put yourself first. And that for me clicked like for the salary thing, because I was like, yes. I am from now on making money. <laughs> and we made a lot of jokes because I paid my, myself. I'm going to share that. It's just too funny not to. I paid myself $5 a week plus $5 bonus because I did such a good job that month. <laughs> so I made 25 bucks 
my two business partners, they said, okay, so you're going to invite us for drinks and, and they, they make good money. So I was like, yeah, yeah, just leave me with my 25 bucks. <laughs> but, but this was honestly, and we laugh about it, but it was a game changer because from that moment, I think I took myself more seriously. I was like, okay, if I, if I'm resentful, if I'm unhappy, if I'm frustrated, it's because I am not taking care of myself good enough. It's because I am not putting myself first. And it sounds very selfish to say, I'm going to put myself first. But if I don't do it, the result is uglier than if I say, you know what? It's my business. I'm the main pillar there. If, I'm, if my cup is full, then I'm happy. If I'm full of joy, my team is happy because they have someone who comes in singing in the morning and, and, and the atmosphere is nice. Uh, and of course, that will be felt by the customers. But so that's, that was really the moment where I understood I got to take care of myself first and I got to really take good care of myself. And so it was for me to start paying myself a salary, how, no matter how ridiculous the amount. And then I started, it started to have more impact. So I realized I need to move my body. I can't just like ask of my body to just do all these things for me and I don't do anything for it. So I think it's, it also was related to the, the moment I bought, I bought myself a, a bike. And I decided to, yeah, go commute with my bike. And I realized that was reclaimed time for me because when I went with public transportation, what do you do in public transportation? You have your phone. Ding, ding, ding. Ah, <laughs> so you, right. so you, you squeeze in an email or you go, you create some content on social media or you tend to your friend who tells you about their problem and you quickly give them support. So by the time you get to the shop or in the evening you come home, you didn't have any minutes or second for you. You were just like giving and giving. And that's exhausting. And then you come home and maybe you have to cook. Maybe you see that the laundry is dirty and ah, you can't leave it. So for me, really those, those 20 minutes uh, bike between my house and the shop, those were 20 minutes of reclaimed time of, I mean, you can't be on your phone when you're cycling. I don't want to die. <laughs> so it was really, it was really those 20, 20 to 30 minutes. And I could go faster if I was really in a hurry or I could take my time if I, if I felt like I had that space. And I was just there for myself with my thoughts, digesting the day, uh, going through what has happened or looking forward to what's coming. And honestly, those commutes with my bike, I wouldn't change them for anything in the world. They are, they are, yeah, just fresh air, like mountain air. Okay. So I'm wondering for anybody listening who's going, Okay, that's 20 minutes to work and 20 minutes from work. That's 40 minutes in a day. I'm curious, because you can give insight into this, did anything fall apart or get lost or fall behind as a result of you not spending that time on your phone or doing extra emails? Nope. <laughs> that was a very <laughs> leading question. I like. I was very leading because I, I think we all knew the answer, but we need to hear it, right? Because that's the fear thing in our brain going, oh, but I have to do more oh, but I have to squeeze this in or else this thing or fall apart. And, and you remind me that the falling apart happens when we don't take those little moments. I was going to add this. Actually, what, what turns out is when I have my 20 minutes in the morning and my 20 minutes in the afternoon, I will come with better ideas. So my social media post that I'm going to, my story that I'm going to create that day is going to be more efficient because I'm, I'm, I'm nourished. I have, maybe I had a brilliant idea on my bike. Whereas when I was in the train with all these people around me and, and like just like scrolling, I will just post something for the sake of it because I know I should be posting. Right. Whereas when I take my time for myself and I see now, now I'm starting to become bolder and bolder. I take more and more time for myself to go for a run, to go. And I notice that the more I take care of myself, the better ideas come. And also I work faster because I'm nourished. So what might take me an, an hour and a half when I'm depleted could also take 25 minutes because I already thought about it while I was running. I know exactly what I want to put together and bam, 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 off it is. Oh, thank you yeah. for giving that example. Because that is my experience too. It's, yeah. It gets done and it gets done a lot faster actually when we build in those pockets. And there's such great data that supports that the creative faculties in our brain are more likely to be active when we're in a more restful state. And I don't know, I'm curious what it was like growing up where you are, but I know 
I absorbed the message from a young age in school that if something's hard, you put on your thinking cap and you push through. Like, oh, this is a hard problem. Put on your thinking cap and push through as opposed to this is a hard problem. Take a sip of water, stretch your legs, and then try again. You're modeling the ladder there of like, ooh, what am I going to do? For example, in this social media post, I'm going to ride my bike. (laughs) <laughs> like, and then I'll bet I'll have an idea, right? Like, and then I'll come as opposed to pushing, you're receiving, it sounds like, as opposed to pushing. Like, I'm receiving ideas as opposed to having to force ideas. Am I, am I getting that right? Yeah. And if I don't, that's fine. I mean, coming back to what the first question and the first answer, I know what I need to know. So if I don't have a post, then it's all right. Probably it doesn't, it means we don't need the, that post right now. The business is not going to fall apart because one day we didn't post anything. So I'm, I'm much more chilled and relaxed. <laughs> if it doesn't come to me, well, then there's nothing to give. No, um, then it's okay. <laughs> well, it just sounds to me far more intentional, right? It's not posting for posting's sake. It's not being busy for busy's sake. It's intentional. So, okay, I'd like to have an idea. Do I have one? Yes, great. Nope, not getting one today. Going to go cook dinner or going to go rearrange the shelf in the shop or whatever it is, but that there's not this forcing, you know, and I think there's a difference. And I'd be curious to hear from you how you tell the difference between when do we have to give ourselves a little nudge? And when do you know, like, okay, Sandrine, you do need to put in this extra hour in the shop versus, you know what, Sandrine, you actually just need to give yourself a break. How do you know the difference between? When it is time to push yourself a little bit and when it's time to say, no, I've pushed enough. Now I'm going to try another way. If I was speaking to myself one year ago from now, I would say, honey, it's trial and error. Just, <laughs> just try, you know, because if you ask me the question, okay, I need to come up with a plan, a master plan that never fails. And <laughs> of course, sometimes you're going to just overwork and your body, it will feel, you will feel it in your body and you'll be like, oh, hey, I did it again. Fine. I learned. That's okay. And some days you, you let yourself off the hook and the next day you'll be stressed because it was really important to do it and you miss it and you miss the, the, guide, the deadline and you just give yourself grace and you're like, well, I should have and I didn't. I'm human. Again, the world doesn't fall apart. So I would say it's trial and error and at some point... You've learned so many times from failing that you don't fail anymore. And whenever you fail, it's, it's fine. Who cares? Is there a police watching over your back and telling you? <laughs> the police is internal. That thing is an internal thing. And I, I just, for anybody listening, I hope you can hear what Sandrine is doing here. Because when you talk about Sandrine, your shop being a judgment-free zone for people who want to come in and learn about sustainability. I love that your own brain is becoming a judgment-free zone of like your example of, Oh, shucks. I did the overworking thing again. I know that thing. I'll do it differently next time, you know, or oops, I accidentally underworked and it doesn't feel good either. And I just appreciate the acknowledgement of both of, and you just trial and error. And with a little bit more practice, we might get a better sense of spotting, which is true. Grace. I mean, your word that you just used there, but grace. I come from a place of being, I mean, I'm the harshest judge. I'm, I'm the worst police for myself. So to get to this place where I can take it so lightly is, is, is a miracle in itself. And I just want to, I just want to tell the audience it's possible for you too. I'm nothing special that I managed to get there, but surround yourself with, with the right people, listen, continue to listen to podcasts like that. And, and you'll see things add up, they, they fall into place. And at some point you will see that your police is on holiday and they're sipping their, their coffee or their iced tea at the beach and they like it too there. <laughs> well, you remind me of, I remember having a big aha a couple of years ago because my boss was like a huge, I worked for myself and my boss was a huge jerk. It was like, my yeah. boss expects me to work all day till yeah. I go to bed. Like my boss um, is always telling me I'm not doing a good enough job. My boss wants me to skip lunch and dinner. Like, and I'm like, but my boss is me. Like what, if your boss is a jerk and you work for yourself, it's time to have a come to Jesus moment, right? Or whatever you want. It's time to have a conversation with yourself about like, because I would never talk to a team member like that. I would never expect my team member to be up till midnight working or first thing in the morning. And when you talked about paying yourself 
as a way of just, even if it was just little, because there's an understanding for a lot of us who start our own business that we may not get to pay ourselves for a while, that we might be scraping by and keeping the money in the company. And I relate to that. And, but like for me, I run payroll every Monday for our company and I still oversee the payroll. Like I know what money is going in and out of the company. And every Monday I run payroll for everybody. So all, everyone's checks, including mine, get cut on Monday. And a few years ago, I just started paying myself first. Until this podcast, nobody else would have known that because it makes no difference. I'm going down. There's 12 of us. I'm going down the list of 12 people that are getting checks and nobody knows the order. It doesn't matter. They're all getting cut in the same day. But I know, I know that I'm cutting my check first. And something about that, it just feels like acknowledgement. Like you showed up for this work, right? And I love that you're paying yourself, like that you are included in this and that that can ramp up gently you know, as, as the business evolves, but, oh, I just so appreciate that you acknowledge all of your staff, including you, right. Including you. And for anybody else who maybe you run your own business, but maybe you don't, maybe you're running your own career. You work for somebody else, but you are in charge of your career or you're running your household or you're helping to run a family or your community of friends. And just this, like you're opening my eyes and dream to the way we consider including ourselves in sustainability, right? Like wanting to see our friends do well, including ourselves as one of those friends, wanting to see the workplace do well, including ourselves in the decisions, right? That we start treating ourselves like we treat others. I mean, I don't want to brag, but I think I'm a, a pretty good employer. I think if you're my employee, if you work with me, you're lucky. We, I created a nice environment. So why should I not do the same for myself? I'm actually, I'm part of this, right? Yeah, I would say not only are you part of it, but without you, there is no business. And I think that's important to remember that the most important professional asset we have is ourselves. <laughs> like, because without ourselves, nothing doesn't, the education matter, level doesn't matter, the income level doesn't matter. Like, if our body and our mind aren't well, all everything else suffers. And so, really, just from a pragmatic point of view, our care is part of the care of the business. I love that. I love that. Oh, so Sandrine, <laughs> would you be willing to do our two-way Q&A yes. questions? All right, here we go. Because you've been listening to the show, so I can't wait to hear what your, what your answers are here. So number one, if you came with a warning label, what might it say? So I'm quoting my husband because I asked him what he would say. And it's very funny because my tag would say, feed regularly and abundantly. <laughs> feed regularly and abundantly i am so glad that you eat as much as i do i don't know how people <laughs> skip meals i couldn't i'm never the person who can skip a meal without paying the price <laughs> like yeah feed regularly and abundantly i love that Honestly, it's on all levels it's food but it's also like to be nourished so i really took this to the next level and i decided yeah, well, that's who I am, but I need plenty of, of nourishment, not just foods. I need food. Definitely, I love food. But I also need like joy. I need beauty and space. I need all of the things. So yeah, that's my tag. I love, you remind me of the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. When they talk about food, they have what they call primary food and secondary food. And secondary food is what we actually eat, like the broccoli, the pasta, whatever. But what they consider primary food is everything else we're feeding ourselves all day long? What are the shows I'm listening to, the people I'm around, the, how much am I getting to move my body or not? And I just love, oh, I love your clarification of all the ways we can be nourished. So based on our conversation, what's a question you would love to ask a woman listening? I would ask the question that you asked me at the very beginning of our work. How can you make your life 3% more sustainable? not just in terms of materials or of how you consume, but also for yourself. What could you do? What could you shift 3% so that life was more sustainable for you? And by sustainable, I mean more enjoyable, more light, more joyful. So yeah, I would be super curious to see on social media or to hear review what people come up with ideas, how they make their life more sustainable. Yes. Make, and me too. So we're going to put links to Sandrine's Instagram accounts and we can do, you can do Sandrine Christini, or we've also got your shop, your Shea Mommy right there and tag both of us and let's keep that conversation going and give each other ideas. 
you give me a lot of ideas when we talk about this and we can inspire one another. We don't have to figure it out our, ourselves. Yeah. All right. So my final question for you today, Sandrine, is even if other people disagree, what is one thing you know to be true? I'll, I'll come back to how we started. And I'll just say, I know what I need to know. And therefore, I'm enough. I want to finish with that. I'm enough. Because I know anything, everything I need to know. You are. Isn't that cool? <laughs> it is so cool, right? And I love how you say that. I just want to celebrate how you say that without playing it down, without minimizing it, without apologizing it. Just like, I am enough. And golly, what would it have been like to have watched that model when we were young women or girls, right? Like to have seen other women say, yeah, I'm good. I'm enough. Sure, there's things I want to learn, but I know what I need to know today to make my next decision, right? I know enough to make my next decision. Well, thank you so much for sharing thank some of what you me. know. <laughs> More of this, Sandrine, and we will. We'll put links <laughs> to connect with Sandrine right here in the show notes if you want a bright light of joy. She is your <laughs> gal. Thank you so much, Carly. Gosh, I just love Sandrine. And that question she asked is so rich. If you were going to bring 3% more sustainability as in joy, life, zest, passion to your day, what might you do? I do hope that you'll tell me in a review on iTunes so that I can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode or tag Sandrine and I on Instagram. There are links to both of our Instagram accounts in the show notes wherever you're listening, and we will keep this conversation going. And if you want to have a bright beam of light in your life that makes both the way you live and the way you work more sustainable, I really do encourage you to connect with Sandrine or her store, Shamami in Zurich, Switzerland. There is a link to their website in the show notes too. Because remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including making your days 3% more life-giving, and I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for driven women over there that you won't find anywhere else.